0: the podcast what is it like to be well aged good time old age is miserable growing old is freedom old age is dealing with loss. old age is fun i'm always tired well-aged toast, ralph milton ah food i love my food here i am in the eighth decade of life and there are only there are only two things that i do as well as i ever did eating and sleeping everything else is either gone south or slowed right down so i get weirdly philosophical and i think how i think how every living thing in the world needs food from the minuscule microbe to the arctic blue whale we eat we eat or we die and food is at the top of the list when it comes to the joys and sorrows of the senior experience, especially those of us who are seriously old. I mean like old, old. Like Oliver in the movie, remember Oliver? We think of food, glorious food. We talk a lot about food, usually around a meal table. There, there's lots of nostalgia around the subject, the things Mum used to cook, and we all have our favorite memories. My treasured memories are around my Uncle Henry, my, my favorite uncle, who was really quite a character. "'Uncle Henry and Aunt Susie farmed about a mile from where we lived "'in the little hamlet of Horndean in southern Manitoba. You, "'You've you never heard of it. It just it doesn't exist anymore. "'I remember Sunday afternoons in their parlor, "'a dozen or so relatives sitting on wooden benches, "'and we just got up from FASPA. "'That's a, that's a kind of a high tea that featured freshly baked buns "'slathered in butter and strawberry jam.' an important Sunday afternoon ritual. Several bowls of roasted sunflower seeds were constantly passed around. The champion sunflower eater was Uncle Henry. He could toss sunflower seeds into one side of his mouth, crack them open, spitting the hulls out the other side, and talking the whole time. I tried so hard to learn that skill. I never even came close. It's one of the many great failures in my life. Uncle Henry was also the champion storyteller, and he loved to tell stories on himself. Uh, he, he would tell them in the, the warm and expressive plautdeutsch That's the, the low German of our Dutch Frisian ancestors. Like all farmers, Uncle Henry had a dog. This was a working dog that drove away predators that might take his chickens, except this dog had the annoying habit of peeing against the screen door. Aunt Susie hated that. Stop that dog from peeing on my screen door, Henry, she barked. Do something. So Henry did. He put a a sheet of tin on the floor of the porch, then he took a six-volt car battery and attached one terminal to the tin and the other to the metal screen on the door. Sure enough, the dog came by, lifted a leg, and yes, those six volts ran up the dog's urine and zapped him in his private's. (laughs) With a with a yelp and a howl the dog took off across the pasture, piddling and yelping all the way. Uncle Henry laughed so hard Aunt Susie worried he might have a heart attack. Well, he told that story often, laughing almost as hard that the first time as the first time, sometimes choking on his mouth full of sunflower seeds. <laughs> oh my goodness. And then there was the time Uncle Henry almost died of scurvy. Yes, scurvy, the, the sailor's disease, there in the middle of the Manitoba prairies. I, I don't think Uncle Henry had ever seen an ocean, but there he was, sick and emaciated, almost dying of scurvy, the sailor's disease. Scurvy comes from a lack of vitamin C, which we now know. Uh, the sailors got th- their disease after weeks of at sea because they lived mostly on salt pork and dry bread. Did you know that the famous mariner, Captain Cook, was the first to conquer scurvy? On a voyage in 1768, he fed his crew sauerkraut. Yes, sauerkraut. It's it's full of vitamin C. Well, there was Uncle Henry, gums bleeding, eyes bulging, but still insisting that the only real food was fried pork, fried potatoes, and black coffee. Nothing else. Everything else was hosefoda, rabbit fodder. So my almost dead uncle Henry finally, after much prodding, went to see old Doc Weeb. Doc Weeb was known for his directness. Henry, he said, you eat everything or you die. So Henry did. He began eating everything, including all the veggies Aunt Susie raised in her garden and the sauerkraut that bubbled and stank beside the kitchen stove every winter. And he lived into his mid-sixties, which was the usual time of dying in those days. But not before he told the story of his brush with death many times, the sunflower seeds flying in and out of his mouth. Uncle Henry's sister, Marie, my mother, also told that story and insisted that us kids had to eat our vegetables and sauerkraut. And in the winter, we had to take a tablespoonful of cod liver oil. <laughs> yeah, awful stuff. But she raised five healthy kids. Many years later, when when mum was showing her age she moved into lion's manor a retirement residence in winnipeg my sisters complained that mum was mostly living on tea and toast well tea and toast was no better than the the ham and potato diet that almost killed her brother well happily my three sisters addressed the problem by bringing mum food on a fairly regular basis and mum lived to be 83 which was very old the tea and toast syndrome is what so many adult children complain about when they bring mom and sometimes dad into a retirement home like the one where Bev and I live. One fellow told me that he checked himself into a senior's residence because he was tired of eating craft dinner out of the pot over the sink. When my, my own doctor told me that many people gained weight when they moved into a retirement home because their meals were so much better. But sometimes they lost weight because they were no longer stuffing themselves with junk food. But at night I'm a junk food junkie. Good Lord, have pity on me! Cooking for yourself, eating by yourself is is no fun. I mean, why be bothered? Why not just grab something off the shelf at the store, something you just open and heat in the microwave? Or, or pick up the phone and order in some pizza. Then, then you can sit in front of the TV and fill your face and it's just so much less trouble. Well, my friend Jim Taylor lost his wife Joan a bit more than a year ago. What I've tried to do is make sure that I made, um, I made meals a special occasion. Not so much breakfast and lunch, but at least at dinner I always sat down at the table I usually light a candle so that it um, sets up the mood a little bit. Uh, I set the table. I use cutlery and plates and a placemat. The main thing was that I wanted to make sure that preparing food didn't turn into one of those boring things that I didn't care about. I, I needed to care about it to keep myself healthy. Poor nutrition pushes people into depression. Depression pushes people into eating junk food. When people live alone, we worry about accidents or sudden illness, but the most dangerous part of living alone is junk food, and that includes tea and toast. The the danger is not just the poor food. Eating alone brings on social and spiritual malnutrition, which can be even more deadly than a lack of vitamins and minerals. Virtually every human culture, worldwide, eating together is a sign of trust, of friendship, of community. In many traditions, you don't do business, you don't really do anything important until you've eaten together. In sharing the Faspa at my Uncle Henry's house, we, we signal to each other that we belong together, and Uncle Henry felt safe enough to share the difficult story of his brush with death. When Bev and I get together with the family, there's almost always a meal, and the food is important, of course, but we could grab a hamburger on the way home if it was just that we were hungry. What's most important is the implicit understanding that eating together reminds us that we are family. The oldest folk tales we have signal the importance of eating together and what that means. There's all kinds of stories about that. In in the story in the Bible about the angels coming to tell Abraham he's going to be a daddy, he gets his wife Sarah to prepare a meal before they tell him the good news. And that symbolism has made its way into many religious rituals. In in my own Christian tradition, we receive a, a tiny wafer or a cube of bread and a Teaspoon of wine, and we say it's a meal. Uh, we call it Eucharist or Communion or the Lord's Supper. Let us break bread together on our knees. It's It's hard sometimes to convince the people who prepare and serve food, especially in restaurants or in dining rooms like the one we have at the Dorchester. Those who prepare and serve meals tend to think that the important thing is to get food inside the faces around the table. And that is important, of course. But what is even more important is what happens between mouthfuls. We share our lives. We come together. Us oldsters remember a comic strip that came every week in the papers. Remember Flash Gordon? It that that comic strip was all about the wonderful things technology would give us in the future. The comic strip told us that we wouldn't have to bother with food any more. Just a couple of pills would uh, would have us give us all that we needed to survive. But if anything, food has become more important to us. We work harder at getting food that not only nourishes us, but it looks good and tastes good. We prepare it carefully, and we eat it together with people we care about. I had a conversation with my friend Carl a while back. He delivers food to seniors as part of the Meals on Wheels program. I bring the food, he says. But the most important thing i deliver is a bit of friendship my visit may be their whole social life sometimes i'm the only one they see all day humans are a social animal anthropologists tell us that we survived as a species because we learned how to communicate with each other how to care about each other how to live together when we live alone we lose something of what it means to be alive, to be a human. When a senior is living alone, their life is incomplete. Regardless of the reason that we may be alone, something essential is missing. When we eat alone, all we get is vitamins, calories, and fiber. All good. But the essential ingredient is missing, and we become spiritually malnourished. (music) There's a whole lot more that could be said about food and what it means in our life. I do some of that in my book, Well-Aged, Making the Most of Your Platinum Years. If you are one of the old, old, then you need to read that book. Or, if you expect to be old someday, you need to read it so that the whole thing doesn't sneak up on you. There are things you can do to prepare. Yes, there are. The book title is Well-Aged, It's in the bookstores now, or you can order it online. I think you'll find these podcasts are helpful. I'll trot out a new topic each week with some thoughts about being old, old, seriously old, and we'll have a bit of fun in the process. And you can find the Well-Aged Podcasts wherever you get your podcasts, or you can go to Douglas and McIntyre to their website, Douglas and McIntyre, and, and you search for well-aged. One of the good things that came out of the pandemic is learning how to Zoom. Traditionally, authors like me would trot around the country giving interviews, making speeches, that sort of thing. But I've done that many times, but now I'm too old and crotchety. I just can't anymore. But the pandemic has brought us Zoom. So I am ready and able to visit your group, your club, your church, virtually, with no cost to you or anyone else. And I I can do it all from my comfortable chair here at home. So if you'd like me to speak to your group, whether it's a service club or any kind of group, just send me an email. The address is wellaged 1934 at gmail.com. That's wellaged 1934 There's no spaces in that, at gmail.com. And don't forget to pick up a copy of the book, Well-Aged, Making the Most of Your Platinum Years. Thanks, and we'll see you next week.